Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Weber. On today's episode, you'll be listening to PSY 342, Psychology of the Exceptional Child. I hope you listen and enjoy. This is class five and this is session four and we're going to finish up with our communication disorders and move to our hearing. Um, but with communication disorders, um, we're looking at the transition of the child as they move out of high school into the world of adulthood. Um, you don't usually have too many issues here because as I mentioned, most of our speech disorders are fixed fairly early on and they are resolved by the time the child is an adolescent so we don't really need to do much transitioning. However, language disorders are different and they are much more difficult to overcome so we may still be having some issues uh, with language disorders when we get into our adolescent years. If that's the case, then we have to use some sort of intervention program. And you'll note there's three categories of these. Some are self-referred, where the folks are saying, I still need help with the things that are out here, and we'll work with them. Now, we've got some with other health problems, and their, their language issues exist, but we really focus more on their other health issues, like maybe having cerebral palsy, um, would be maybe our major focus and then this would be a, a more minor one and then we do have some people who have extremely severe disabilities and um, we're going to need to transition with that area and language would be really more of a, a secondary area that we would look at because we want to make sure that they're going to be able to um, you know have a place to live have a place to work and um, language may be involved, but it won't be our primary focus by any means. We're going to move next to our chapter where we're looking with individuals who have hearing impairments. All right, so um, we've got some different physiological definitions when we look at hearing. Um, some children are classified as deaf. Now, when somebody's deaf, it really doesn't mean that they don't hear anything. Usually they hear some sounds, but they're extremely loud sounds. We're going to look at decibels in a minute, but a 90 decibel sound is quite loud. Um, and this would be an individual who just couldn't hear those sounds, that or anything louder. This would be for a typical person, you know, loud enough to hurt their ears. And these folks don't hear it. Now they do feel sound waves. Um, but we do not have this person being able to do well with at least um, speech sounds, what somebody else is saying. They're not going to hear that. That's about 60 decibels. Um, if they are not hearing sounds below 90 decibels well, then they're called hard of hearing. And that would be considered a hearing impairment. Um, especially a problem if they don't hear like 60, 70, 80, because again, your speech is at 60, and so they're going to struggle to hear what people say, although they may hear sirens or some of the, the louder sounds. Um, educationally, we, we look at it a little bit different than we do when we're talking about physiological definitions. Um, our terms when we're looking at deaf in, in an educational world um, is that they're not processing any kind of linguistic information, a, a voice of someone else through audition. 
And no, they can't do it even if they have a hearing aid. Um, there's a lot of different options out there right now for hearing aids, but even with them, this person doesn't hear what somebody else says. That's how you would get to be deaf for educational purposes. Um, we would call hard of hearing someone who can process linguistic information through auditory means, that's your ears, as long as they have a hearing aid. Um, they've got enough hearing to do that. They are going to be able then to put their hearing aid on and use an auditory method. Um, and that actually makes it a lot easier. They don't need to worry about sign language. Um, deaf, probably, you're going to have to make a choice between sign language and trying to go oral. Alright, so definitions that we'll need, if you are congenitally deaf, congenital just means at birth, um, then you are born deaf and you have never heard anything. Um, and obviously that is going to be much harder. Um, ad adventitiously deaf means that sometime after you were born, you acquired deafness. And that could be from a lot of different reasons as you'll see coming up. Um, but at least for a period of time, you were able to hear which would mean you are likely to have understood some language. And that means you get that people try to communicate in some way through language, and you make more of an effort than you would if you were congenitally deaf to be able to understand what that language is. All right, so if you become adventitiously deaf, and it is before um, you are learning speech. So prelingual deafness could be congenitally deaf and at birth, or it just could be somewhere before you're around three. Um, you haven't picked up your, your speech skills yet. You haven't really understood language really well yet. So you're going to struggle more with communication in general. Those individuals who are considered postlingually deaf, um, they didn't have adventitious deafness until they were at least talking. Right, some people are 60, 70 years old before this happens. Right, this person's been talking. They get what that people have been saying things, and that meant something. So when they see somebody moving their mouth, um, they know it means something. Right, your child who's prelingual probably doesn't get that. And so this person is, is at least going to get every attempt made to get back into communicating one way or the other. So they're in much better shape if they're postlingually deaf. All right, these are your classifications of deafness based on decibels. That DB stands for decibels. All right, your standard hearing would be from 0 to 25 decibels. And this would mean that you hear things in a, a like a whisper. For the most part, you would be able to hear that fairly well. All right, if you have a mild loss, you've lost um, somewhere in this range. Your, your, your bottom number is the number you hear 50% of the time. Um, you wouldn't hear it all the time, but 50% of the time. So somewhere between 26 and 40. Um, this person isn't going to have a major problem because they can hear conversational speech at 60, although it may sound more like a whisper to them, but they will be able to hear that. Um, so they usually don't need much more than preferential seating in a classroom. If they have a moderate loss, they're somewhere, threshold is somewhere between 41 and 55. Um, closer they are to 55, the more they are going to struggle with conversational speech. And they may, at this point, need a hearing aid. Uh, they're definitely going to need preferential uh, seating. Some of these kids are going to start trying to lip read. Um, and between their lip 
reading and their auditory processing, they may be able to make out most of what is being said. All right, a more moderate to severe loss is 56 to 70, and this person's not hearing speech. Um, that's at 60, and so they're just not getting that at all. Um, they're usually going to have to um, rely very heavily on a hearing aid. Um, possibly they're going to need um, the transmitters where the, um, the person they're listening to wears a, a little microphone that goes straight into their hearing aid and helps them to hear. But usually they can go in an oral method. All right, we're starting to get severe. Um, we're in that 71 to 90. This is still just hitting deafness um, at 90. Um, obviously, speech sounds are getting lost. That was at 60 decibels. And so a hearing aid probably is, again, going to help here. But you're also going to need um, a good, you know, all these will need preferential seating and you know, the lip reading and that type of thing. And we're working on speech therapy with all these kids as well. All right, profound is when you've hit the deaf range and you're at 91 decibels or above. You aren't hearing a lot of very, very loud sounds. This is your threshold. It's, it's below a whisper to us. Um, and this child, you know, really is going to, you have to make a decision. Hearing aids aren't really going to help them that much. Um, you're going to need to decide, do you want to go oral and you're probably going to need a cochlear implant for that? Um, or are you going to use maybe more of a, a sign system for them? Um, prevalence numbers, we've got uh, less than 1%. Note it's 0.1% of the population from 6 to 21 is either deaf or hard of hearing. So this is definitely a low incidence um, disability. Um, definitely more in the hard of hearing range than we would see in the deafness range. And a, a large number of individuals that we see um, in this category are coming from Spanish-speaking homes. Um, I don't really know why that would be, but that's 30% of the kids who would be in that category. Now let me walk you through the ear a little bit. We're going to look at how the ears form. We got an outer ear. There's a picture coming up. Um, outer ear has the external ear canal that goes into the inner part of your ear. Um, usually not huge issues here unless a kid like sticks in some rocks or beans or something. Um, you've got the eardrum, uh, which is your tympanic membrane, and that can rupture, and that could be a problem if that happens. And the auricle is your actual ear. Um, the ear is, everybody's ears shaped differently. They grow your whole life, but they are shaped in such a way as to help sound be um, processed into the ear canal and hit that tympanic um, membrane and begin to vibrate. All right, your middle ear has got a couple of parts in it. Um, you have the three little bones that um, have different names. The Latin names are malleus, incus, and stapes. Their English versions are the hammer, the anvil, and the stirrup. And those are going to take the vibrations from your eardrum and continue that vibration on um, to the oval window that opens into the cochlea. Also in the middle ear are some vestibular um, kind of tubes that kind of help you with balance and such. They don't really have anything to do with hearing. All right, the inner ear is the part that actually processes your hearing. Um, it has the vestibular mechanisms that are involved in that, and the cochlea is a snail-shaped 
um, object that actually has a membrane that runs down it with little hair fibers on it. And those hair fibers will vibrate, um, some to different, some to loud sounds, some are to softer sounds, um, and they, they vary based on the pitch. Um, and that is what processes our sound, and then that will go up through an auditory nerve um, to the temporal lobe of the brain. All right, so here you kind of see a picture of all that. Um, you've got your um, outer part of the ear that is going to go right up to where you see tymphonic membrane. So it's got the auricle, which is the ear. Um, you've got your external canal. As you can see, there's an arrow to that. And then your membrane um, is kind of in the middle there where you're seeing some gray around that. All that is the outer ear. Rarely any issues to hearing there. All right, as you move into that middle ear, that's kind of that beige part, and you can see they've got it marked with the malleus, incus, and stapes. Those are the three little bones there that'll vibrate, and the oval window that attaches it to that gray snail thing called the cochlea. All right, you can have problems in this middle ear that are problems with conducting the sound. Sometimes there's fluid buildup, um, from the eustachian tube that kind of backs up from your nose and that would be an ear infection or an otitis media. Um, that can be a problem and make the sound conduct very slowly. But usually it's just a problem of pushing that sound on through and a hearing aid will fix anything in that middle ear. Um, you got the little snail shaped deal called your cochlea. That again is where we begin to see some issues and if there's problems there then there's going to be problems with hearing and then you'll let that cochlear nerve or the auditory nerve takes it on up um, to your brain. Alright, so we classify based on where in the ear the hearing is. So if it is in the middle ear, it's called conductive hearing loss. Your inner ear processes sound just fine. Um, our problem is just in getting the sound to it. And so what we will see here is a hearing aid is very useful. So that sound transmission just got blocked. Usually that's the middle ear. Occasionally it's the outer. Um, another type of hearing loss is one of the more common ones, and it is called sensory neural hearing loss. All right, your cochlea is considered neural tissue, just like your retina or your brain. And neural tissue, once it's damaged, does not grow back. And your, um, your, your hearing is, is a sense, one of your five senses, so that's where the name comes from. This is usually damage to the cochlea part of the inner ear. Sometimes it's actually that auditory, uh, the drawing called it a cochlea nerve. It's the same thing. Um, but that has been damaged. And so a lot of times hearing aid isn't really going to help you here. Um, you put it on and it, it pushing the sound in and making it louder is not really the problem with this. All right, some people have mixed hearing loss. So one ear is conductive um, hearing loss and the other ear would have sensory neural hearing loss. Um, so there you see that combination. Um, some folks have central hearing loss, and remember, central just means something within the brain. So we've got a dysfunction in our central nervous system. This is usually someone whose ears work fine, but the, the signal comes into the temporal lobe of the brain, and that brain can't process it. And so there's really nothing that we can do um, to fix this one. There, no, a cochlear implant won't help, a hearing aid won't help, because it's not really a problem with the ears. It's a problem with the brain. 
Um, there's a real interesting one called a non-organic hearing loss. And these are folks that when we test them, it, their ears say they're hearing, their brain says it's processing, and they'll tell you they can't hear. Um, it's really interesting. I have no idea why it happens, um, but it does occasionally happen, but that's actually quite rare. All right, when we are measuring hearing impairments, we are going to have the professional who's an audiologist who is trained um, to test the hearing. Um, they're going to run uh, what is called an audiogram. They, they use audiometry as a way of, of making this audiogram. Um, here's some of the types of tasks that they do. Pure tone is when they signal a tone and you would raise your hand to say that you've heard it. Um, for some children, we need to make sure that, that the bone, those are the bones in the inner ear actually doing the conduction um, that we need to have done. Do they recognize speech when you stand behind them and say something? Do they hear it? Um, we play with them to see if they're making any kind of sounds when they're playing or turning their head when you say something to them. And then they test the inner ear to make sure that there are acoustics going in there. As we mentioned, age of onset does matter when you're measuring your hearing impairments. Um, we talked about prelingual deafness, and remember those children are going to have more of a difficult time um, and probably are going to be kind of given a little bit more help. Um, postlingual individuals, because they were already speaking, this is nowhere near as difficult for them. All right, this is an actual audiogram uh, from one of my students. She gave me permission to show this, so it's, um, she told me not to take her name out or anything, so I'm not doing it. Um, this would show you how a, an audiologist would measure her hearing. When I taught this young lady, um, she would wear hearing aids in both ears. I would use um, an FM system that um, I would wear a little headset, and I talked into the microphone and the sound would go straight to her hearing aids. Um, you have the circles up on that audiogram at the top left. The, the round ones are the measurements for her right ear and the X is the measurement for her left ear. And you can see for the most part, except at 2000 Hertz, they're exactly the same or almost exactly the same. So she has one ear that's a little bit worse. Um, that's her right ear. All right, if you look at the um, hearing level on the left side, that it has the decibels there. All right, and so at some certain frequencies, she can hear like at 20 decibels. So that's not too bad of a loss. But you'll note at some others, she's really struggling and she has kind of a loss in that 60 to 70 range in there. Um, and that's meaning that some of her speech sounds she's not catching. And this just allowed her to be able to pick up um, a little bit better her speech sounds. We put put the hearing aids on. I mean, she could hear it, but it was very kind of a distorted sound for her. Um, and her loss was a sensory neural loss. 